entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, We're not ten cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, Rise and go on your way, your faith has made you Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning we, kind of, we have a little bit of an interesting commemoration in the church. Today we are celebrating the feast of the veneration of the chains of St. Peter. Not just St. Peter, because the feast that we have for St. Peter along with St. Peter and Paul is there in June. Uh, but this particular feast is talking about the chains of St. Peter. And in uh, talking about specifically one specific instance uh, from the book of Acts where Peter was imprisoned and he was chained up. And it's, it's in the, the book of Acts chapter 12. Uh, Peter was chained, he had been arrested, and this happened just after uh, James had been uh, martyred. Uh, after James's death, Peter was arrested and it said that he was uh, chained between, between guards even. So two guards around him, and he's chained to them, and uh, likely going to be facing his own death. But in the middle of the night, the story says in the, the book of Acts that uh, he's visited by an angel of the Lord. And when the angel comes to him, uh, his, his, uh, the angel says to him, arise and go quickly. And the chains fall from him, and he is loosed. And not only is he uh, loosed from the chains, uh, but he is able to, because of the miracle of the angel being there, able to go undetected away from those guards. And it's said that he even goes uh, through the iron gate of the prison. So he is able to escape from the prison itself. And nobody thought that Peter was likely ever going to be out of that prison again because he goes to uh, a home where the disciples and others were there praying and he's knocking on the door and someone kind of opens up the little area in the door that so you can see who's knocking and they see it's Peter and they're so surprised they don't even open the door. They go back and tell everybody it's Peter and they say, no, 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 it, if anything, it must be Peter's ghost because Peter is dead. 
And Peter still stands there knocking on the door, waiting for someone to come and open the door to him, and he's finally able to come in. And since that time, they kept whatever chains were left upon him uh, in order to be able to continue to venerate those chains. And even up until today, on January the 16th, this day, they are brought out to be venerated uh, by those in the church. And so it's kind of an interesting commemoration that we have. But there are really two things that I think uh, are very important for us to remember as we celebrate this interesting feast of the veneration of the chains of Peter. And the first one is, of course, just the simple fact that relics are a part of our tradition and are a very important part of our tradition. And in fact, we have, as you know, around the the nave of the church here, little places on various icons where we have a relic of a saint. And invariably... It seems like every time we have a, uh, a church tour, and we actually had one just this past Friday where a group uh, from uh, Westminster actually came uh, into the nave, and I talked to them a little bit, but invariably relics come up, and as soon as you talk about relics for a little bit, they're kind of like, ugh, I can't believe you all do that, right? But it seems kind of strange to think about because we do that in a secular way all of the time. How many of you have ever been to a museum? Where you go and you see something that is connected to something that is really neat and exciting from years and years and years ago. Even sometimes it's a little bit gross. When I went to, uh, when I was in seminary, I wanted to make sure while I was in New York that I went to Cooperstown to see the Baseball Hall of Fame before leaving New York. Because who knows when I was going to be in New York again. So right right, uh, before I graduated... I went up to New York, and there, enshrined in a glass case, was the bloody sock that Kurt Schilling wore in 2004 in Game 6 of the American League Championship Series. That's kind of gross to think about, right? But that's kind of a relic that we, we have of that event and all kinds of other memorabilia that's out there. But when we see those sorts of things, even in a secular setting, it connects us to the history that has gone before us, that all of a sudden that event that we might have heard about becomes something that is real, something that is physical, something that is right there in front of us. And so we have that in the relics of the saints, that we have something then that makes all of the the saints whose icons we have on the walls and the stories, the beautiful stories that we hear about them, not just fun stories, but connected to a real, legitimate, physical, historical thing. And of course, beyond that secular understanding, relics don't just connect us to a, a history, they connect us to holiness. Because the relics of the saints themselves are filled with the grace of the Holy Spirit. And we we know uh, from the scripture about Veronica, the woman with the issue of blood, who, who simply wanted to touch the hem of Christ's garment. But the same is true of the apostles. We don't just venerate uh, uh, the chains of Peter, but even while he was alive, people wanted to touch Peter's garments and the other apostles, and even just have their shadow pass over them so that they can have some sort of healing grace. It's an understanding for us of the holiness that exists in the bodies, in the garments of the the people who are the saints. And so it's also a reminder to us, I think, about how we tend to compartmentalize our lives. And yet when we see the relics and we think about not only the, the physical bodies of the saints, but even their clothing that their clothing even was holy, we can think about how 
What we put on matters. The actions that we do each and every moment of our life matters. And so we have this connection and this understanding with the relics of the church to connect us to the the historical events that happen, but also to connect us to holiness and remind us of our own need to live that life of holiness just as the saints did. So that's the first thing about these, these, uh, the chains of St. Peter. And the second thing, and perhaps the more important thing for us, besides this connectivity, which is vitally important, is that by, by venerating the chains of St. Peter, we are venerating something that is symbolic of struggle, symbolic of difficulty. Because as Peter sat there chained up in prison, he likely didn't think that he was going anywhere. And so it is an understanding of the difficulty that's there in our life. And when we venerate that difficulty, we venerate that chain. It is an act of giving thanks to God even in the midst of that struggle and that difficulty. And we have the power of giving thanks uh, shown to us in the gospel this morning where we have ten lepers who uh, yell out to Christ. And Christ is able to heal all ten of them. And all of them go running, except for one, who comes back to Christ. And he comes back to Christ giving thanks to him for the great work that, he, uh, that Christ had done for him. Leprosy had been a chain for those people. The, 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 the chain of keeping them away from the community. They were bound away from the community. They were bound away from their families. They were bound from doing uh, the work that perhaps they had, had previously uh, done in their life. It was a chain in their life. And yet only one of them was will, able to come back and give thanks to God for the loosing of that chain from their life. And because of that, they are blessed in a specific way. Christ says, where are the rest? He doesn't know. But he looks at that one man and he says, your faith has made you well. And in fact, if we look at the Greek there, it's your faith has saved you. Not only made you well from leprosy, but has specifically saved you in that action of giving thanks. Now, the first quote in your bulletin, and I'm only going to read that one today, This is from St. John Chrysostom that I came across this week and I thought it fit perfectly in thinking about giving thanks to God in the midst of struggle to venerate our own chains. St. John Chrysostom says, The mark of a soul that loves wisdom always gives thanks to God. If you have suffered evil, give thanks and it is changed to good. He has not sinned who suffered the evil, but he who has done the evil. Give thanks even in disease, lack of possessions, or false accusations. It is not we who are injured, but those who are the authors of them. The chains of disease, the chains of lack of possessions, the chains of false accusations, the chains of suffering any kind of evil, those are the things that we too can venerate. We can venerate and give thanks to God even in the midst of them. And that's what this feast tells us. And I want to say very clearly that there's a difference between giving thanks and being thankful. The scripture actually doesn't tell us to be thankful. Being thankful is a feeling and an emotion. The scripture says, give thanks. I would imagine that all ten of those lepers who had been healed were feeling thankful. 
They knew that, that that chain had been loosed from them, that they had a new life ahead of them, and I'm sure that they were feeling thankful. But there's a difference in feeling thankful and actually taking the opportunity to stop and give thanks to God. And being able to make that distinction also means that we might not feel thankful about the chains that we have in our life, the disease, the suffering from from any sort of evil, the lack of possessions, the false accusations, any of those things, we might not feel thankful about them, but whether we feel thankful or not, we can still give thanks for them. And there's a big difference that is there. So on this day that we celebrate the chains of St. Peter, remember that historical connection that we have to not only St. Peter, but all of the saints that we see and their relics. We have a strong connection to their history and a connection to their holiness. And remembering that, remembering their struggles, remembering uh, their holiness and our connection to them, we are then better able to give thanks to God. So may we go about our lives as we remember and venerate the chains of St. Peter today. May we go through our lives... Uh, responding to our chains, not with despair, but with a spirit of thanksgiving. Glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.